Welcome everyone to Deacon's Respect, Belong, Thrive podcast series brought to you by Diversity, Equity and Inclusion. My name is Thea Vakitas, Project Officer of Respectful Communities, and I will be your host for this podcast. Firstly, I wish to begin by acknowledging the Wadarung people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we are gathered to record this podcast today. We pay our respects to their elders and ancestors for allowing us to have our gathering on their land, acknowledging their continual connection to this country and thank them for their custodianship over many thousands of years. I extend this respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who listen to this podcast. Today, we have two guests joining us to share research on online harassment, abuse and harm and some of the work at Deakin University to ensure our students and staff have positive online experiences. If any of this content within the podcast has caused you distress and you do need to seek support, please contact 1800RESPECT or visit the eSafety Commissioner website. If you are a Deakin staff or students, you are very welcome to reach out to Safer Community here at Deakin. Today, we're lucky to have two guests. Our first guest, Dr. Bianca Kletke, is an internationally recognised researcher and senior academic at Deakin University, where she leads the Deakin Cyberpsychology Research Group. Dr. Kletke's recent research has focused on image-based abuse and how to keep young people safe online, particularly regarding behaviours such as sexting and cyberbullying. Within this area, Dr. Kletke's research focuses on understanding risks, as well as working with governments, schools, universities, sporting codes, parents and young people to develop and evaluate programs that translate evidence-based insights to deliver best practice. Our second guest, Laura Burge, is Manager of Respectful Communities in Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at Deakin. She has responsibility for the strategic leadership, coordination and delivery of education, awareness and engagement initiatives aimed at preventing sexual harm, promoting respectful communities and student mental health. This includes leading Deakin's Respect and Sexual Harm Strategy and program of work and is soon to be launched the new student mental health and wellbeing strategy. Bianca, um, we know that online behaviours including sexting and cyberbullying can be harmful to young people. Can you tell us a bit more about your research in the field and any key findings? Um, yeah, I've been conducting research in the area of online safety for the past 10 years and particularly um, in cyberbullying and sexting behaviours. So within the area of cyberbullying, we used to be very closely involved with the Geelong Football Club, actually, in a program called the Cybercats, which was delivered to year sevens across 20 schools in the Geelong region. One of the most interesting things we actually found was that when we asked these um, young people, the year sevens, what they found most concerning and most worrisome about online behaviors, and this was across both boys and girls, was to receive unwanted nudes. And we were quite surprised, actually, that these young people, 13-year-olds, were already very keenly aware of the fact that they would at some stage in the future be very likely to receive unwanted nudes and that they didn't know how to respond to them. In regards to our sexting research, which is legally called intimate images, we have seen a steady increase in these behaviors across the years. Most importantly, what we found is that it's really important to distinguish between three distinct, three distinct behaviors here, the sending, the receiving and the sharing of these images. And we also found that all of these behaviors can be both consensual as well as non-consensual. So for example, we can receive a wanted nude or an unwanted nude, which is often colloquially referred to as a dick pic. There's the sending that might be consensual or the person may feel pressured to do so. And lastly, the sharing of these nudes 
may also be consensual or non-consensual. Although not all the numbers of those who consent are three times higher for men than they are to, for women. So the numbers here are 27% of men and 9% of women. So it's really important to keep in mind that all of these behaviors can be both consensual or non-consensual. Yeah, I think it's very important that we sort of dive into consent. Can you tell us a bit more about the role of consent in online behaviors? And is it as important as it is in offline behaviors? Yeah, so the question how young people navigate consent online is still a largely unexplored field. So we actually know very, very little about this. But it is a really, really important one. So just as in the offline world, our research has found that non-consensual sexting behaviors, so for example, being pressured to send or receiving unwanted, was associated with negative mental health outcomes. So in regards to depression, anxiety, stress, and self-esteem. So what we did in this um, research, actually, there was a big research question about um, whether sexting per se was a risk behavior. So we wanted to, in essence, look at the behavior overall. And what we found was that really that all the negative associations with it come when the behavior is non-consensual. So one also one important thing to note here is that while some women are, well, well, young women actually are twice as likely to receive unwanted nudes versus men. So this we're looking at sort of 60% versus 30%, 60% of young women, 30% of men was associated with these negative uh, mental health outcomes across both genders. So the negative mental health outcomes weren't just for one gender, despite the behavior being twice as frequent mm -hmm. for young women. So overall, we can say that consent, consent definitely plays a significant role in regards to sexting behaviors and mental health. So given the role of consent is so important, what are some of the implications in regards to the sharing of such things like nudes and dick pics? Yeah, so there's several important implications. So firstly, the distinction between consensual and non-consensual sexting behaviors is absolutely critical. For example, the sharing of nudes is often referred to as revenge porn. This is an absolute misnomer as it firstly blames the victim, but also mm. that it implies that the sharing is always due to revenge. However, our research has actually shown that the majority of men share because the person in the image is, quote, hot, or for women often as a joke. So only in a few instances is it done out of sheer revenge. So now that we have, this actually is, is problematic that now we have legislation that makes the sharing of intimate images illegal in all states in Australia, except for Tasmania. So for example, even the threatening to share nudes is an offense punishable with up to one and a half years now. Overall, what we see is that given that many young people actually share for, for largely innocuous reasons, that is because they might want to you know, show off because someone was hot or brag or as a joke, it is important to actually create awareness that it's still an illegal behavior and may result in legal ramifications and legal con consequences. It's important, but I guess it's a lot of information that people don't know. Um, so what are some of the Absolutely. ways how we can establish consent regarding online behaviours? Yeah, again, that's a really, really good question. I think just as in the offline world, communication actually is the key. So it's absolutely important to ask, will you share these with anyone or how will you keep them safe? And most importantly, what will happen to them in the future? So for example, let's say that some int intimate images were shared during the course of a relationship. What happens if or when this relationship breaks down? 
So it's really important to negotiate some of these even, you know, before they're being sent, you know, what mm. will we do? So having that dialogue is absolutely critical beforehand. So, of course, all of these conversations, you know, are based on trust and honesty, but I think it's critical to have them just as we would in physical interactions as well. Yeah, and I think, again, it's so important to discuss these, but so many people don't know where to go if this happens. So if someone does experience any form of harmful behaviour, what do they do, where they can go and where they can get support? Absolutely, really important question. So Deacon students have several options. So they can go firstly to Deacon Safer Community who are trained in dealing with these kinds of situations. Deacon also have a free counselling service and specific to sexual harm support. There is a Centre Against Sexual Assault, a CASA counsellor available. In Australia, we're actually really fortunate because we also have an e-safety commissioner. We're the only country in the world to do so, um, which is a peak body that actually has legal powers in regards to online harms. So if someone has an image shared non-consensually, for example, um, the e-safety commissioner can help to remove this image. However, one of the things that we found, because we've been, um, we have done research into this area, is that we've seen that many young people actually either don't know where to go or actually mm. seek very little support when something happens to them online. So, for example, when receiving unwanted nudes, um, I think many young people now even expect this as an almost normal behavior. And I think it's really, really important for, for young people and moving forward to actually identify it as an unwanted behavior mm. and that it can actually be harmful. We know that it can be harmful to mental health. So, we should not be continuing to just accept it as the norm. Now, I think lastly, Deacon has been really, really instrumental as well and active in the space of keeping students um, safe online. And I think Laura will be talking much more about this as well as Deacon has been involved in a fantastic project named SOAR. Yeah, fantastic. And thanks for a good segue into the next part of this podcast. Again, thank you, Bianca, for your insights and your amazing research that you can continually will be doing. Welcome, Laura, to the podcast. Thanks, Thea. Great to join you. So, Laura, Deacon is a participant in the jointly coordinated Universities Australia and eSafety Commissioner SOAR project. And for everybody listening, SOAR is Safer Online Awareness to Resilience. Can you tell us a bit more about what this project is and how Deacon is involved? Yeah, sure. So Deakin was selected as one of two universities in Victoria to participate in the program in 2021. And it was a pilot program to build awareness, capability and cultural change, particularly in the tertiary sector, to foster that whole of institution approach to preventing and responding to online harm. Diversity, our diversity, equity and inclusion team have actually been responsible for coordinating involvement in the program since 2022. And it's really involved a range of stakeholders across the university, including our student services team, our Deakin University Student Association, Yep. digital services, academic staff, um, including Bianca, who's one of our um, working group members. It's involved a series of training sessions as an initial part of the program. So all of the staff that were involved went along to some sessions with the eSafety Commissioner around the prevalence of online harm, which was a really interesting way, I think, of bringing everyone up to speed on actually how huge and how prevalent this issue is in society. Mm -hmm. And then it's been followed by a series of workshops where we as stakeholders have gathered to sort of look at ways that we can basically develop an activity plan for the university in this space. Great insight. And so quick question, but why is Deakin, why did we choose focus on e-safety and online harms? 
So late last year, Deakin was actually one of the universities that participated in the National Student Safety Survey. And this was a survey that was run across all universities in Australia, uh, where we collected data on the prevalence of students' experiences of, of safety, but particularly sexual harm. And as part of that survey, the results were released in March this year. And it did actually show an increase in experiences of online harm, which is not um, you know, it's not unexpected considering COVID and, and the fact that students have not been on campus as much and certainly have been in an online learning space. So what we really wanted to do, and I think as we've participated in this program, is to not only raise awareness, like Bianca talked about, how some of these incidents and experiences are actually harmful and the impact that they have, but our role as a university, I guess, in preventing some of those instances from incidents from happening, but also in, I think, prevent, you know, raising awareness, preventing further problems down the track. So it's really connected to our whole respect and sexual harm program of work uh, and, and our key role in promoting safe, respectful and inclusive environments, whether that's in a physical capacity, so on our campuses, but also in those online spaces where we know students are learning and engaging. Particularly, I think Deakin was really keen and the reason that we chose to be involved in this program was that we wanted to lead the way. We wanted to highlight the important role that universities can play in reducing online harm. We know there's a lot of programs in schools, in primary schools and in high schools, but we know there's also a lot of work that we can do in the tertiary space to ensure that students understand their rights and responsibilities and also can be connected to support services like Bianca mentioned, whether that's in the university, so like Safer Community, or externally like the Safety Commissioner and the support they can receive if they have experienced online harm. Fantastic. So what have been some of the key areas of focus in the e-safety space for Deakin for 2022? Yeah, sure. So I think what we what we really did was narrow it down to three key priorities for this year. The first was around staff awareness, and we wanted to make sure that all of our staff were actually aware of this space. Second was around student awareness, and these are in no particular order, of course. And I guess thirdly, we wanted to ensure that the digital tools that we're using, the programs, the services, and the tools that we're using in the university are actually aligned with e-safety principles. And I know we're in, well, we're in August now, but what would you have said are some of the key achievements to date for 2022? Yeah, it's look. It's been a um, it's been a very busy and hectic year, but certainly we've been really proud to have the working group involved across the space in achieving some of the actions that we actually set out for the year. Uh, one of the key achievements this year was that we actually were able to update student unit guides to ensure that those sort of online harm information was included in those guides. And they're guides that students refer to uh, as part of their subjects. So there's sort of two parts. One is about the specifics of their course unit. Uh, and the second is about the support services that are available to them. So we do have a link to the eSafety Commissioner and to the support services in the university so that they're front of mind for students in the event that they do need to seek support and also just to raise awareness about those kinds of incidents that can occur. We've also worked really hard with our diversity, equity and inclusion task forces across the university to incorporate the e-safety women in spotlight information uh, as part of those groups. And that's been sharing the resources that are available through the e-safety commissioner website with those groups and to ensure that they are disseminated across the university through those task forces. Finally, what we have been able to do is also work within our diversity, equity and inclusion training program. So we offer a range of, of professional development programs for staff and for students. We've incorporated a lot of online harm scenarios in those training programs. And, and what we've done is, you know, wanting to make sure that not only are we covering examples where students are on campus or staff are on campus and engaging in behaviours, but also that online space. So they're, again, raising awareness of what is and isn't appropriate behaviour amongst our whole population. And I guess we look forward to the end of 2022. So what are the focus areas for the last second half of the year? 
Yeah, so it's a, we've only got a few more months to go, but I know we've got an ambitious couple of projects underway. Work is underway to ensure that Deakin's incident database records relate to online harm so that we actually have some baseline data. So effectively, we're making sure that when we have incidents that do occur in the university, we are recording when there is some sort of connection to online harm. And that will then enable us to see trends and have insights into this space much more so than we have in the past. We're also working with the eSafety Commissioner around running a webinar for staff in September, and we're partnering with digital services in that space so that any staff member across the university can join that webinar, learn more about the difference between cybersecurity and cyber safety so that there's that clear distinction mm -hmm. between those two areas. And we're looking in future as well around what sort of information is provided to staff as part of their induction to the university. So what does that look like in terms of either the resources they're provided or, or the services within the university that they can access? Great. It's um, amazing to hear all the work that's being done. And I guess you sort of look at, you've looked at 2022, but what are sort of the next sort of steps for Deakin and, and eSafety? Yeah, look, we're really keen to continue the program of work in this space. It is a top priority for us within our Respect and Sexual Harm program of work. So we're planning to continue to include activities relating to eSafety in our 2023 plan and continue our work alongside Universities Australia and the eSafety Commissioner uh, as well. So we'll, we'll basically provide them with a report and an update on our progress in this space. And then we're going to gather the stakeholders in that working group across the university to map out activities to 2023. And we'd like to be a little bit more ambitious. So we'd like to see what other sort of new programs and activities we can actually incorporate uh, as we commence a new year uh, in 2023. We're also hoping to actually share some of our insights and some of the successes and the challenges that we've faced as well. So we're hoping that we can perhaps present at a conference in future or talk about our experiences through a journal article to highlight how other universities can also partner uh, and engage in this space and, and learn from some of the experiences that we've had. Uh, so as we start to plan for 2023, we'd be really keen to hear from both our students students and our staff across the university about any ideas that they might have. We know that there's some fantastic programs of work already underway in the university and that our students also have some really great ideas about what might best resonate with them, whether it's, you know, raising awareness of cyber safety in, or whether it's in regards to some sort of projects and initiatives that we can incorporate as part of our action plan for 2023. So if you've got an idea or if you've got something to add or, you, you know, you'd like to find out more about the program itself, please do reach out to the diversity, equity and inclusion team. Uh, we'd love to have you involved. Fantastic. Well, that brings us to the end of the eSafety podcast. So firstly, I'd like to thank Dr. Bianca Kletke for your amazing research and thank work. Thank you. <laughs> and to Laura Burge. Um, it's amazing the work that Deakin University are doing and will be continuing to doing in the future. Thank you. Thanks, Leah. Great to be involved. Again, if any content within this podcast has caused you distress and you need to seek support, please contact 1800RESPECT or visit the eSafety Commissioner website. Or if you are a Deakin staff or student, you are more than welcome to reach out to Safer Community here at Deakin. Thank you again for listening.